Hi, my name is Giovanni Pino, and this is Uncommon. Hi, my name is Ellie Weisman, and this is Uncommon. Uncommon is a production by Neural, an agency that helps both brands and talent tell their story. To learn more, just visit neural.com. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. My guests this week, Gio, Ali, co-founders, CEO and director of Saucy, an Australian sourcing and supply chain company. Gents, we got there in the end. Yes. Months of work. Um, I had... Some good, I felt like I had some good like icebreakers to start with. We could talk about the new Cremorne office or Richmond, really, the espresso martinis. Yes. Um, or James Harrison, but I was told to ask you about a kill story. Oh. <laughs> 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 wow, it's a good one to start, yeah. yeah. Who wants to take take that? So, a kill? Yeah. Uh, is our first ever full-time employee at Saucy. So, and he's still with us today. Wow. Um, early 2019, late 2018. Um, Gio, Gio and I had done everything and, you know, wore so many hats, but we thought it's finally time to have uh, somebody come on board. So one night after we were talking about this, I was just having a jog with a friend of mine down at El- Elwood Beach. Yeah. And um, I used to work in this ice cream truck, pouring ice creams on the beach. You know, Mr. Whippy type thing. And um, <laughs> you, you used to. I used yeah. to before yeah. that, just as like a summer job. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I thought I'd just run in and see if I can use the ice cream machine. Some random guys are working there. So um, while I was pouring ice cream, the ran, random guy who was working there, I said, oh, "What are you doing?" And he asked what I did, and I asked him what he did. And he just finished. He's just finishing a, a, a degree in logistics and supply chain. So. Kind of just said, "Hey, uh, have you got a grad job?" <laughs> and um, I think that's that. The rest is history. Pretty much, we uh, we hired our first recruit from an ice cream truck. Nice. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then we actually, um, after a few weeks, we we said, "You know what? It's, it's not working out." Really. And we actually went to let him go, and he he said, "Come on, just give me one more chance." And ever since that moment, he's been able to prove himself, and he's actually still the first and longest standing. Saucy team member, and now he's actually part of the induction story of Saucy. <laughs> so anyone who joins the team, they get this this half day of induction, they get to know the story, and there's a kills little segment in there about the, the guy we met at the ice cream truck and the guy yeah. we tried to let go. <laughs> but that's 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 the shit, man. That's like what culture's all about. Exactly. Like right, people yeah. talk about culture being like something that's written on a piece of paper, but in reality it's really just those stories. Yeah, I think this yeah. year was really, we did like a, a week of planning offsite at the start of the year. Yeah. First time we've ever done it. Management team, we covered pretty much um, every topic, but a big part of it was actually talking about the values and the culture of the company. And I was always someone who thought, those are like buzzwords, right? Like, yeah. we've got a great culture, we've got really strong values. Um, mm. But sometimes it's it's not tangible, right? It's it's a feeling or, or the, way, the way a company treats people. And the further we get into this and the more team members that we have, you see the, the, the like, culture yeah, and the yeah. values of the company. You can see when someone's bought in or they share those same thoughts and, and values. And when you actually plan and put effort into those things as well, even though it's, like I said, intangible, you can't see those direct results, you know that it does pay off. It's something yeah. worth investing in. You become almost like a gardener. Like you're sort of curating this thing. Exactly like right. You can't control yeah. it. You can't just... 
No, you can't just walk into a group of, I don't know how many stuff you got now, but let's say 20, 30 people mm. and just say, hey, do this or hey, do that. Mm. Because what, they, what they're thinking in their mind is completely different. Mm, exactly Particularly right. if you've got someone who's like very against what the founders think. Like it's, it's this really hard yeah. thing that you have to do. And I think yeah. w- once there's enough people within a business that share those same cultures and, as, or values, anyone who doesn't, it's really easy for those people to almost... And they get found out real quick. Yeah, they, yeah. they stand out and, it's, yeah. it's, and then it's kind of, they leave it their own accord. They feel like they yeah. don't fit in. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. agree with that. It's also contagious as well. So the more everyone around you sort of shares and hypes up with the, the right values as well. Very true. It sort of breeds more of that same, those same behaviours. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed yeah. that you, you've got this thing where it's all about the vibes. That's hey. your word. <laughs> yes, we and, brought uh, and, uh, and, uh, Are we two minutes in and the like vibes come up? This has made my day. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> It's so and like you know you've got this whole meme on a Friday with um, Leo is it Leo Habibi Habibi yeah <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah what is it Halabi uh, Halabi yeah absolute um, legend of a guy Habibi for those who don't know for all wogs is an affectionate term <laughs> yeah um, so anyway yeah I've noticed that you guys have that which I actually think is important because it becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy like if you yeah. if you try it for a few months and then you just let go of it. And um, and then people become, I don't know, there's this a natural cynicism, I think, in any company just because mm. you've got this relationship mm. of the founders, the managers and the employees and mm. yeah. having like leading, quote unquote, is, is something that you just like have to always be doing. Yeah, you're always on. And yeah. vibing is probably part of that. You yeah, he's, part he's of the that. biggest motivator you'll ever see. Part oh, of the man. cornerstone of, <laughs> yeah. of the culture. <laughs> yeah. Especially on Friday. I mean, every day, but especially on a Friday. Yeah, but the, you yeah. could argue that that comes, like, that is what, you know, you, you both have things that you bring to the party. I mean, yeah. it's obvious that your sales background would bring that as well because that is an inherent thing. Like, sales is fucking hard. Particularly when yeah. you come from organizations like Metricon, et cetera, yep. where it's high octane type selling and you ha- like to be motivated. Like I-, I was saying this to Lauren the other day because we were walking through the park and like we do every night. It's got to get her steps up, you know, wear tread, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, we were just talking about how I have this issue because I'm in charge of new business and strategy that Anytime someone comes to me, I'm just like, oh, yeah, guaranteed new client. You just have to have that positivity where she's inherently cynical and it's like, oh, no, we only really want this client because I just want the people we can put on the website. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, which is a fair point because in most cases, half those people become tire kickers or whatever. Yeah, sure, it doesn't work out. And it doesn't work out or whatever. So, yeah, it's just like a thing that I reckon you get from being in sales is you just always you just see that the wind. optimistic. Yeah, yeah everything yeah. is everything's guaranteed. Yeah, and yeah. you just you and you have to be like that to make it so. Um, so you're both from let's say European stock. Yeah, um, mostly. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> what's uh, what's the earliest memory you guys have from your childhood? Mine is um, so when I was very young, my parents both worked. Yeah, so. Um, as all Wog families do, the grandparents are within five minutes of wherever you live. Yeah. Um, so we used to have, uh, my, my nonno had a big block. It was actually two blocks in, in St. Albans. The house is at the front and mm-hmm. the second block was just a veggie patch. Wow. And it was just figs, <laughs> tomatoes, castanias, you know, chestnuts, everything. Yeah. 
Um, and my, my earliest memories were pretty much just picking fruit. <laughs> it was putting me to work at a young age. But it was, you know, as a kid, you don't realise how not normal that is to have that huge, yeah. huge variety and you're just sitting there. And I think even some my, my, yeah, the first five or ten earliest memories, it's almost always with my grandparents instead mm. of my parents. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd argue I had a very similar experience, although my... Grandparents didn't have the veggie patch like that. <laughs> it, he was more he was more into feeding magpies. Like he fed magpies and shit. Some 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 spare pieces of bread. Yeah, out the and the other thing was like being in um, yeah, in my dad's factory all the time, which is just you could not do nowadays. Like a seven year old just wandering around like a fucking. You have a hard hat on. You push yeah, behind his back. Oh, dude, um, I used to sit on the side of like a twenty ton printing machine. Really, like. And just be like playing with the oil on the oh, no. on like the grate or something like do? that. Like I could have just got up and just put like yeah. poked my finger into Lost like the drum digits, and yeah. oh, no. gone. Anyway, you can't you can't do that shit anymore. What about you? Different different times. Um, just thinking back to like an earliest memory would be um, at a park. I think at a, like a family barbecue get together. Me riding like a tricycle or something with the our family friends, kids. Um, you know, everyone, everyone out and about. Everyone having fun. Parents enjoying themselves. Just social situation. Just really positive, positive memories. <laughs> really positive. Yeah. That's so you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's so, you see, saying the word vibe. Yeah, just you can see the word vibe starting to like scroll on the back of the uh, back of his. I've got to say, I'm so impressed that we've already brought vibes in like three, four times. This like, is the this last is, time this is <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many like closed door conversations you guys have had to have where you're like, now look, Ali, I know you like vibes, yeah. but you know, too we, much vibes. We um we've gone through like a really big rebrand recently, and um. We've been lucky where the, the branding agency has really come on board to learn about us as people and, and I guess the culture of the company, mm. not just a new logo, but you know who we are, who we want to be. And um, we had to say from very early on, I had to, to actually say how much I didn't prefer the word vibes to be in our new <laughs> language, but I think it's going to make its way. Yeah, yeah. The, it's interesting you say that and it's good to hear that there's the agency is actually like, because the problem I find in agency land is a lot of agencies don't do the work. Yeah, which is very hard though if you're if most of your business is small to medium businesses because you need the time and the money to go in and really investigate. Yeah, um, but good agencies do that, and and often you find things like brand truths that sometimes you don't want to be, mm. but you have to own it. Mm. So I found that yeah. really interesting because I've been reading a book on that in particular about brand and yep. branding. Yeah, um, so. It's very topical that you you raise that. Um, how did you guys like meet? Oh, was it year eleven, accounting class? Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you remember. Actually, <laughs> what's, yeah. what school did you guys go? Sandy Sandyham College, Sandy High. Sandy High. Sandy High yeah. So up until Senior. year ten, you go to separate campuses. So he went to the high ah. campus, I went to the Bowie, and then they bring them okay. together for, for year eleven and twelve. So in Sandy, like at the not the back, but the front of that soccer pitch. I used to play soccer yeah. at Yeah, it would have been there. Yeah. yeah. Played soccer there as well. Do you play for Sandyham Sandy, or another yeah. team? Sandy, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was really weird with Sandy. You got re- they, the, the zoning was like relegated to basically everywhere past Sandrium. 
Like as in yeah. it's a Bayside suburb, but yeah. you were not in Bayside yeah, you relegation. Yeah. So you like mm. we play games against like Danny Nong, Frankson, yeah. etc. It was really yeah. odd. Berwick and all sorts of things. I always yeah, thought like what is my dad doing here? Like we live in like Hampton, then Brighton. Why is he yeah, because then we'd be driving like an hour. Yeah, I was going to say, that was way out to Danny Nong yeah. too. <laughs> Danny Nong Hills, that was like, that's my fondest memories is like playing soccer, it's pissing down rain, my hands are numb, <laughs> score a couple goals and then you come home and like have a warm shower. And a big feast. And a big feed, yeah, always yeah. like some sort of pasta or something like that. Um, okay, so you met each other at we, high school yeah, in accounting. In accounting, we yeah. stayed in contact since then. Not really. No. You know, at the end of the day, we had we, <laughs> we shared probably like five or ten friends. Okay. Um, and we knew of each other, but you know, high school is like that. Either you're in someone's group or you're not, or or you say two words to someone in a whole year, even if they're in your class or not. So, um, and you think about how many classes you actually have. To have one with one person isn't isn't that many. So we pretty much didn't didn't stay in contact. Um, we would see each other though eventually out at the same parties. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So and similar social circle. But even then, it would yeah. probably be one or two a year. Um, and that was it for, for, since high school to when we actually sat down and started talking about Saucy. And how many years after was that, do you think? Probably eight. Eight years? I was, yeah. I was literally going to guess that. Eight years, yeah. We probably had a handful of conversations yeah. <laughs> in that yeah. time. Because if I... Yeah, if I look, is that right? Am I... I'd say it's about eight years or something like that, yeah. Yeah, if you look at your career history, it makes sense because Saucy's been around since... 2017. 2017, okay, yeah. Very late 2017. Late 2017, because I know you had the procured business for 12 months and there was Allied Print Australia, then Saucy came about with Ali, Mm -hmm. and Ali had his time at Metricon and a few other sales organisations. It makes makes sense Mm. that it was eight years after... After high school, why found a business together then? What was like the spark? Um, so what had happened was I I had a really rough idea of what Saucy was at okay. the time. Um, I'd actually gone to the Melbourne Accelerator program. Ah, uh, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah the the night, and I went there with my partner. I was I was pretty over my printing business at that time as well, so I was I was ready to to get into something a bit more serious. Um, Went to MAP and, and all these businesses or all these, sorry, students and, and new, new incubators, you know, they got up and they talked about what their, their business was and how they've already, and these, these already businesses already had investment and were in the alumni and they were just uh, there okay. to talk to potential investors and I guess share what they're doing. Um, and I remember just sitting there going, Jesus, like oh, I could come up with something like this. And um, I went home and, and I just started talking to my partner, Danny, and, and I wrote a few you know, the word saucy on the whiteboard and um, because of my printing business, I, I knew that, you know, there was a big opportunity there with manufacturing and importing. Mm. Um, and I ended up going to, to a friend of mine saying, hey, you know, I came up with this kind of like booklet or brochure of how it worked, what the business would look like. And I said, you know, are you interested in, in doing this? And he goes, oh, um, yeah, it, it sounds pretty cool. And I invited him in and then he goes, you know, we should actually get Ali involved in this. And he, he was still in touch with Ali at the time. And I was just like, I was like, fuck, I haven't spoken to him in a while. <laughs> 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 I was like, I wonder what he's up to. Um, and I was like, yeah, why not? And, and it was it's funny how things work because that what? friend ended up backing out eventually. Really? And and then Ali ended up, you know, just taking that step up and, and he really forged what it is now. You know, then it was just an idea. 
Well, why do you think he said Ali? Uh, exactly the reasons why, you know, you've always, I think Ali's always had, um, this is my opinion, that you've always had a knack for business or you've always wanted to. You're incredibly, yeah. he's incredibly driven and hardworking. And I think that, you know, he's someone that is, you want by his side, especially if you're going to start something. Uh, so I think that's why he said, you know, let, let's see if Ali wanted to get involved. Tick of approval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's paid off. Yeah. Good investment. Yeah, because yeah, it's always interesting where you get into the early days, and it's such a hard sell, like particularly when you're um, the person that creates the idea or, or has the initial idea and you're selling it to other people, mm. and you, you think... You think it's such a great idea, like because you're wedded mm, to it. Yeah. And but most people are just like, oh yeah, like it's yeah. good. But then you find people who uh, really like believe in it. Yeah. So it was. I definitely say that that was probably mm. a component to it. Yeah, as well. definitely. Um, yeah. I think from my perspective as well, I um, I tried tried my hand at different little yeah, entrepreneurial ventures. I really, really respected Geo for the things that he'd done in his previous businesses as well. And also, I had sort of the idea or the concept of sourcing yeah, yeah. really spoke to me. So I was just like, that's 100% something that's going to help that many people. Yeah. And, and when Gio explained it to me, all he said, like the biggest thing that stood out uh, in my mind of what, from what he was saying was, I just want to help people. And, yeah, and I think you, you know, mentioned in Harrison's interview that you'd actually like had an idea around a product and you basically mm. dropped it because... Of the, not the, the difficulties, but you realise how much of a task it was. Yeah, yeah, it would have it would have perfectly helped me uh, six six years earlier. You yeah, know, when I was, it was almost like scratching yeah. your own itch in a way. Yeah, it's like if 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 I'd had a company like what Saucy does, you know, I, my my life would have been different. I, you know, I could have, would have been successful or, or had a lot more chances at success mm. in importing and having a brand and because yeah. So I'm sure we'd get into that, but um, yeah. it really, it's, you know, the concept was, yeah. was really attractive. Even though we had <laughs> very limited experience or understanding of how we would execute it, yeah. we still just knew that there is something here. Yeah, and I think that sometimes matters more than anything. Yeah. Like uh, I remember when we were going through our first hire with Jacob, our producer, and I was like debating, okay, do we hire someone who has the experience or do we hire someone who's really passionate and gets the the brand, the idea, mm, et cetera? Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, it was actually a call with Lewis Spears, a comedian we've had on. He's like, dude, 100% go for passion and yeah. um, I don't know what the word is, but someone who just believes in the idea. Is, I agree. Because you can learn shit afterwards. You, you can't buy yeah. that. You, can't, you, can't, you cannot yeah, buy that. You cannot convince yeah. someone... Otherwise, if they're not that way inclined. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And not, to be honest, most businesses start out that way anyway. Some, a lot of people think, oh, this person works in this industry, they go out, they start a similar business or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's never the case. In yeah. most cases, it's you're solving your own problem. Yep, exactly or, right. Or um, you've been pissed off with something in your industry and the way it's done mm, and yep. you think it could be done better. Yeah. So they're like the top two in people that we interview. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, so it was late 2017, the business was founded. Run me through up until 2019, what those first two years were like, and particularly I'm thinking about at what point were you able to draw a wage 
And what point were you able to? <laughs> at what point were you able to hire um, your first guy? A kill was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kill. This might put off a few people from starting a business. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least you know it ends well. Um, do you want me to jump yeah, in? Yeah, go far through this. I think when we say we started late 2017, really that's when we kind of registered something or yeah. bought, bought, bought a domain name. Right? There was no there was no trading at that time. Then, to, to be honest, the one thing that we did do was. I went and found one client and I actually went and did the work and, and to know that it was something there, that there was value. Um, we did that before so much other, so many other steps, but it was just this, let's just see if it's a thing. Let's see if someone wants to buy it, yeah. how much they want to buy it for um, and what's involved for us to, yeah, to an extent. Te- tested there before you scaled out. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to, to get quite a, a, a good client. Um, and I came back from, because we visited in, in, in Queensland and came back and I was like, okay, let's let's actually figure this out. And um, because of my printing business previous to that, I used to go and, and buy goods from China overseas. And I was really naive, right? Because if 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 you're buying, let's say, a printed good in China, all you're really doing is buying a pre-existing product and putting branding or a logo on it. Mm. So it's really low-level manufacturing. There's it's low risk. There's not much to it. Um, and I I kind of took on the thought of all manufacturing being. That you know, way. maybe a bit harder, <laughs> but nowhere near what it what it actually is, right? It's not yeah. easy to make a product. Yeah. Um, but Ali and I both knew that we had to 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 be beginners. We had to learn. We had to to you know spend months. I think the first three or four months was um, how does manufacturing in China work? How how do we find potential people overseas that we can employ? How does yeah. freight and logistics work? What do different uh, wow. eco terms mean? Um, and it's, it's one thing to have someone in a business sit down and go, this is how this works, right? It's straight from the horse's mouth. When you're two guys in the same room and you're just kind of like on Google being like, you know, does this sound yeah. right to you? What do you think this means? It's, you know, it's the blind leading the blind to an extent. Yeah, um, yeah I know exactly what that's like. You know, you're just trying, you're trying to make it, make it work, you know, as you go. And I think that was the first six months was just kind of, you know, we knew that we had to take it slow. Um, yeah. The other, the other big proponent to that is if we did bring on a client, you know, that's someone's money at the end of the day. That's someone's, if they're going to buy from a factory that we recommend, uh, that's, that's risk, you know. Mm. And we, we, wouldn't, we treat every client's money as if it's our own. We would yeah. never say um, invest $100,000 in product with this factory if we had our concerns or our doubts. Um, and yeah. it was like that from the start. We weren't in a position to, to, to do that to anyone, um, and thankfully we haven't in the in the history of the business. Uh, so we knew that we had to be really confident, or to an extent that we know that nothing would go wrong um, for the clients that we worked with. So I think that was the first you know, six months. Yeah. Um, so that would have been 2018, and then you start to. At what point could you quit your jobs or move away from the businesses you were in? That would have been like 2019, right? Yeah. Do you remember when you finished up Metricon? Uh, late twenty, I think late twenty. I think I finished up September twenty eighteen. So that whole, pretty much that whole year was and Jerry was still working in in in, in with Al, in Allied Print and managing that business. I mean, it was my two days off per week that I'd get. It was That's just right, morning yeah. to, through to night, and then. Um, Geo went, you know, in between every other day, and and we'd we'd be working at his house in East Bentley. Yeah, it was, it was very much a slow burn, I guess, in that sense as well, where it wasn't. We both quit and we jumped into this a hundred percent. You know, we had to set ourselves up because we knew we were probably a very long way from yeah. from from getting a paycheck and in, in, in doing this as well. So, 
Yeah, I think yeah. late late 2018 is when we kind of wrapped up what we were doing. And I think by then we had at least gone to China once. Um, what, we, what we'd done is we literally just jumped on the Upwork, yeah. you know, the freelancing website, yeah, yeah. and just tried to find people in China that can do pr- product sourcing. We realized that you can't do it from here. You need someone there, local yeah. language, building a team. Um, so like a procurement specialist? Or? Some, someone with history and actually, <laughs> actually sourcing products and, okay. and manufacturing um, and we were lucky where we had about 20 people, 30 people that we spoke to. We probably had four or five that seemed okay. And, and realistically, we needed someone with a good level of English because um, neither of us speak Mandarin. <laughs> neither, really? Neither Not of us yet. will speak Mandarin. <laughs> we took classes. Like, we we're just trying everything. We we're t- taking cultural classes. We we're taking you know, language classes. You know, we really wanted to, to, to figure out what's the best way. But we ended up getting over there and we, we interviewed two guys or three guys and flying around. We found one really great guy named Derek. Um, and that's when we kind of came back. And I think that was the start of 2019. And that's when we started saying, okay, let's start taking on clients. Mm. Um, and that's when the next challenge came, which was how do you find customers, right? Um, yeah. We, again, being super naive, we just thought procurement people, they love to save money. We can help them save money. Let's go message every single procurement person we can find on LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, procurement people hate sourcing people, <laughs> yeah, because if you save them money and help them, it's they can see it, they see it. And this is this is my interpretation, and not all of them are like this, but a surprising amount were. They feel like you're actually doing their job for them, yeah. And it's you know the, yeah. it's a threat. You know, it makes them redundant. Exactly it makes right. Them redundant. Yeah. yeah, it makes them look bad. Even, or even if you could help, they they still don't <laughs> yeah. feel that that's an appropriate. Um, so yeah, that's that's so funny. Your story, like the story that you guys have about your business, gives me a lot of confidence in what I'm doing right now. Because <laughs> honestly, just, like what you're saying was like the first year, like what you said that 2018 was mm. probably like 2019 and a bit of 20 started 2020 for us. Because right. we, like I said, we had that one client. And uh, I think they actually came back recently, like hitting us up to help with something, but they're a podcast client. Mm. And it came about because they were like, oh, how are you doing your podcast? Because we've been running this for two years. It's a hobby. Uh, can you help us? And basically all that year, we just published and, and worked on their podcast and a few others, and it paid for all the equipment, the development of processes, yeah. finding people in Upwork. Mm. That's the hardest part is knowing, like now we, we could hire people quite easily, like specialist freelancers. Yeah. Um, but you don't know what you're looking for. But you just didn't know what you were doing and you'd, you'd run into all sorts of traps and issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that first year was literally all about that. And so it wasn't really until last year that we sort of then were like, okay, now we need to scale. Yeah. And that's exactly the hard right. part because I reckon your first client is easy because it's always like a you're friend or an acquaintance well. yeah. and it's just a one-on-one relationship. Yeah. But going from one to five is yeah. fucking hard. Like, yeah. how do you find them? And we've gone through that at the moment because there's this thing in agency land It's that this guy, Dan Monheit, tells me. Uh, it's called the five A's, where you do anything for anyone, anytime, anywhere, at any price. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like yeah. you. Oh, we've, we've been there. You've been there, yeah. right? Yeah. So we've yeah. cut the yeah. anywhere, any price, anytime, and anything. So we've culled down to like what we specifically do, the pricing, all that Ooh. sort of stuff. The thing that we're struggling with now that I was telling you before about that optimism and wanting to be do business with anyone mm. is the anyone. The anyone, yeah. So how do you quantify you, that and then how do you find more of them? 
Mm. Exactly right. And I, I think, think that's what this year is about. Yeah, I think so niching, like, niching yeah. kind of... It, once you're established, it's a great thing because then it's, yeah. you know, you're the specialist and, and you're sought after. Mm. But, yeah, I think definitely... All those A's, when you're getting off the ground, you've got to kind of follow those. You just, yeah. you just take on whatever you can. You take what, because you've got to, that's the thing as well, like you're just going to make money. Exactly right. Because you've got to pay yeah. for people's The doors still need to stay wages. open, yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. expenses, it doesn't all stop. Yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't stop and that's what I'm always thinking about. Um, that's so fucking funny. So now <laughs> we, can get, we can get into the, the year of 1 mil to 43 mil. Um, and talk about COVID later on. <laughs> uh, um, I was, I'm just really interested. I sort of had not this epiphany, but this realization because of what has happened probably in the last six months with China on trade. Mm. Um, you know, you both came in for an interview and founded the business at probably one of the most fascinating times, I'd say, mm. in the history of Australia's trade. The only other time I could think about it was World War II when we split from the UK and moved to sort of the US. Yeah. Focus. Mm. The only other time might have been, I think it was like the 70s, 80s, where we pivoted. The country just moved away from the UK when they left the EU. Uh, they went to the EU and then it all became about Asia. Mm. And we're all in on Asia now. Mm. Um, yep. I mean, geopolitically, everything we do as a country has always been about the fact that we're on an island and because of that, and we're, we're rich in resources. Yeah. There's got lots of good shit here that we can ship out to other people. And because of that, we're good traders. We're good, like, we're yeah. mercantile in terms of the way that we operate as a country. We send out lots of stuff and buy stuff to, to bring it back in, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And you guys are sort of really at the, the pinnacle of that because we've had this era where the balance of trade was in the negative and now we're finally going in the positive and sort of Australians and Australian businesses are cashed up yeah. for various reasons yeah. and they've got these these opportunities and they're realising that the trade of goods is sort of what we're good at mm. and you're probably getting more and more people hitting you up and being like, like I think I was reading the other day that although all these retail firms have shut down, the pivot, at, the pivot to e-commerce has been so massive that the prices for, uh, what are they, like factories or factory spaces that can be converted to warehouses has gone up like 30% in Queensland yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, because supply chain has become yeah. monumental just in the space of the year. That's mm. fair. No surprise. No surprise. No at surprise all. at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys are probably part of the next generation. Where I think in the f- few decades, this will be the trend of what what is Australian trade. Mm. Um, it's true. And so I, I was just curious, like, what do you see? What do you see as the headwinds and the tailwinds for Australian traders of goods who are in this sort of e-commerce? wholesale, whatever you want to call it, space? It's a good question. I mean, it's so broad. So what are the trends? Yeah. Or, sorry, where is so it going? What, what are the trends? Of... Like, what are, you, what are you guys wary of? Like, as an example, I've noticed you've invested a lot into an Indian team. Yeah, yeah. So what are, you, what are the things that you're thinking about in your own business that will probably be lead indicators to where what eventually affects people down the track? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah so definitely... As you mentioned, we're heavily investing in resources and growing our, our footprint in countries outside of China. So that obviously from, I guess, a geopolitical standpoint, um, you know, obviously a lot, of, a lot of companies are wanting to diversify, have traditionally imported or purchased goods from China. They're obviously wanting to look outside of China. That's, you know, thanks to the trade wars with, with Trump and yeah. 
whole bunch of different sort of um, political <laughs> things and uh, COVID hasn't helped that. So, yeah, definitely we're focusing on India, we're focusing on Vietnam, we're focusing on Taiwan, Thailand. And that's, <clears throat> you know, it's more and more prevalent. Like, for instance, a really big indicator for us is just even through our social media and paid ads, the amount of negative comments you now see for mm. Chinese goods or, or people buying. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's this stigma that's out there at the moment. So has that meant that you guys are sort of thinking about sourcing locally in, t- in terms of building resources there as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. Very, very proudly. Very Because, happily, yeah. because that's become like we had a um, brand come in recently that's launching a steel, um, it's like a grinder sort of plate that you put on like a, for, for sheet metal fabrication workers or like boiler makers and stuff like that. And uh, they're like one of two in Australia that make it. But, you know, the comment is that is people don't want Chinese made stuff. Yeah. They want at least Australian-owned stuff. Yeah. Like it can be made elsewhere, but Australian-owned is like fucking yeah. paramount. The, the hard part is everyone says it, but no one wants to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you line. know, it's as hard as it is. We love China, like in the sense of the team that we have there, the, the most beautiful people. The people, They're yeah. just like you and I, right? Yeah. Some things that they can't control, right? The government influences. Like we can't control the way that the government portrays Australians. Yeah. It's the same there as well. The people that we've hired and that we get to work with, some of them we've worked with for, for over a year, you know, 16 months, 18 months. They're great people. You know, they've got lives. Incredible. I know that they've, they, you know, they've married, they've got kids. They're, they're just like anyone else that yeah. you know. The hard part is China still is the leader in a, some or a majority of categories of production right now. Plastics, electronics. Yeah, even batteries because they're so set up in the sense of, um, you look at, for instance, your iPhone. It doesn't all, it's not all made in, in one factory. There's components that come from one factory, another, another. So even if you went to build iPhones in, in India or, or, or Vietnam or, or even set up your own phone manufacturing business, you, you know, you need all those other players also set up in the country as well. Otherwise, you're importing parts and, and you're assembling it somewhere else. Yeah, that was that was actually mm. just on that. I remember when we caught up from for lunch and you were talking about that fact and that was when I had the realisation that, you know, what you guys are doing and offering for people is really like bringing in-house, like an agency would, bringing yeah. all of the components of literally building the thing yourself. Exactly. Because a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to make an e-commerce product. It's going to be, I'm going to try and beat Zoom. So I'm going to make these uh, recorders, right? Yeah. And I'll just go to a manufacturer who makes recorders. But actually where the real value is, is building the designing the recorder yourself exactly. with a specialist and then buying all the components yourself yeah. and just having it assembled. Having it yeah. assembled, yeah. And that's yeah. when you were talking about the, those components is what really drove me. So when people say, why are you investing in all these different countries? Shouldn't it just be like this one new country or whatever? It's because yeah. you're trying to collate all yeah. these pieces yeah. of paper to make a and, book. And, and each country, you know, like uh, for instance, India or, or Vietnam, they're going to have their own categories. Yeah. Exactly right. You're not going yeah. to just say, I buy all my products from India now because India's not going to be set up in the way to, to be able to supply or manufacture those goods. Mm. You know, a big part of what dictates where products are made is, you know, access to technology, access to raw materials, access to or government support. You need, you need a good mix of all those things together for it to be viable, right? 
Um, it's only once you know the, those categories are established. Like for instance, India has their own foundries for steel. Yes. So then you can start having um, you know structural steel made there. You can start you know having the mills. That's when it works, right? But if if you try to do the same in Vietnam, there's no mills or there's no there's no foundries there. You can't say I'm going to have my steel made from from Vietnam. Yeah. So it's you're limited to to what that country's mm. investing their time and resources into as yeah. well. Yeah. So th- so the argument that Australia should become self sufficient is just never going to be a reality simply because each country will always have its own competitive advantage. Exactly right. Um, yeah, it's very and, difficult. And that's why, you know, in a way, businesses like yours will flourish because there will always be a distributed supply chain exactly. in some way. And yeah. that these emerging countries like India and Vietnam, um, China's gotten quite, you know, good at doing Western business, right? They know how to, to invoice, they know how to, to, to interact, they know how to, you know, the, the, the flow. Countries like... Vietnam and India, they're still kind of green in that sense, uh, especially these emerging factories or, or industries, you know, they'll need a hand on both ends, not just a, a someone here who we represent to find the factories, but also uh. the factory themselves of how do you, you know, how do we filter what they do and say that doesn't freak out someone here because they, they don't have that experience in, let's say, exporting, exporting or communication. Yeah, a lot you know, of it is all, all, always communication based. Exactly right. right. How, do you, how do you sort out those problems? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably the re, real value component is like just trying to communicate to that person. Oh, it's okay. This is what is actually yeah. happening. You, yes, you. Are you intrigued by this episode? If so, go to our footer on the website n e u r a double dot com dot com. We're going to give you an insight each week. It's going to be on business, marketing, or a topic that we covered in the episode at all. We'd love your support and it would help us in developing the intellect around this series. But without going on too much longer, let's get back into this episode. I'm curious then as to, apart from the obvious ones in Vietnam and India, which have been like the at the tip of everyone's tongue, I think there was even like some event that the PM went to at the start of 2020 in Vietnam mm. with some trade delegation of some sort mm. to promote Vietnam trade, Vietnamese trade. Yeah. But are there other countries that are surprising you at the moment or intriguing you? Definitely. I think for where we're located, other countries within Southeast Asia, so Indonesia was definitely going to become a manufacturing country mm. um, yeah. as well as the Philippines to an extent. What what you'll see though also is even parts of Europe, um, if, if you've been into H&M recently or, or Zara, you'll see on the back of the tags, made in Portugal, made in Turkey. Spain. Spain. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Morocco. What a lot of bigger businesses are doing now. A lot of in Greece. Is I've noticed a lot. They'll, yeah. they'll have the mills, but um, these, these big businesses will actually set up manufacturing hubs in these areas that are logistically make sense. So if you're you're serving European clients for fashion and clothing, you'll have a production hub located somewhere within Europe. Um, same for Asia, the Asia markets, you'll have factories set up in um, Vietnam. So you'll actually see um, logistics play a big role in, in where people set up their manufacturing hubs mm. um, because it takes weeks and weeks to move goods from mm. you know Europe to, to, to Australia. It's, it's you know four times, the, is it four or three times the length of time to send something from Turkey to, to Melbourne than it is to send it from Indonesia to Melbourne. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, and those things really impact a business. Yeah, they do. Yeah, there's some interesting trends when it comes to that as well that I want to get into. Like this this thing about Kanzik. I don't know if you've heard about that, but um, like a free trade agreement or a free movement agreement between Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Basically, oh, cool. extending our agreement between New Zealand and Australia with the UK and Canada, oh, cool. which would open um, trade significantly. But I want to get into that just a little bit later. Uh, let's look back at the last two years or so, you, the, the, the most interesting thing is you did a mill in 2019 and then that thing in the AFR was like 43 million mm. in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think was the defining factor in that? It was probably right place, right time yeah. to an extent. I mean, we, we had by then had an office um, we'd finally moved out of my spare spare room, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is good. We used to have you know four or five employees lined up in in my um, in my lounge room at one point, and you know they'd knock off at five, and then my housemates would come home at five thirty. Yeah. <laughs> there'd be this interchange, yeah. all these monitors lined monitors up, monitors everywhere, people in other rooms. And- so, um, at what point did you get the moment to say, okay, we're going to move offices? I think we just hit a point where. Um, money was coming in, we were feeling more confident, I guess, about the mm. business because at the end of the day, Consistency. You, you're signing a lease. You yeah. know, you're, you're guaranteeing something for an extended period of time. So we kind of just said, all right, let's start looking and, um, you know, you do the numbers and you make sure it doesn't kill you. And we, we kind of <laughs> said, okay, let's let's do it. And we, we signed. Um, I mean, when we first moved in, Ali and I were there painting walls, yeah, you know, picking up furniture, just marketplace, just, everything, just trying to you know trying to make it look like a nice <laughs> office. Facebook marketplace, Facebook marketplace, you know, just yeah. trying to make it look like an actual office for our team. And then within, I think that I think the weekend we moved in, like officially moved in, was when um, Australia went into or Melbourne went into lockdown, and it was called a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just yeah, yeah. perfect timing. I remember looking at Ali, I'm like, well. We've spent all this money. I'm still going to come in every day. <laughs> I was like, I'm not yeah. going to go back to working from home. So we ended up working, working from there, and we started getting all these inquiries to help with PPE. Oh, right. Um, wow. So okay, was, yeah, that would have been. It just started with basic yeah. things like sanitizer. Sanitizer, literally all sorts of PPE. Sanitizer was really, really in short demand or short supply then, and masks and gloves and all sorts of different things. So we... We're actually concerned at the start because we just invested it's everything true. into an office. We thought we're making this. This is this is all happening now. And then for day one, everything shuts. And we've just moved into South Yarra, where you've got the whole chapel district. Not one bar or yeah. cafe. Yeah. Didn't, didn't get experience <laughs> no any of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was That's, a ghost yeah. town because our office is actually adjacent to South Yarra Station. That's right. There was yeah. there was like the first two days where you'd see people, and then it was like. Nothing, no one. Like just, mm. like literally just the metro staff and, and no it. one else walking on those platforms. It was like a ghost town. Um, By the way, for anyone interested, that uh, that office is currently up for lease. It is up for lease. <laughs> yeah, P1 slash 7 Yarra Street. Look at us. I, I saw the listing the other day on uh, on commercial real estate, actually. I oh, really? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you, you guys have still got it listed? Yeah, it just, a, we, we just, just went up, up, actually. I just, just went, went up a few yeah. days ago, I think, like yeah. a week ago. Yeah, we've, we're, we've just let it sit there for the last two or three months because we've had so much Should going go. on. We're just like, yeah. shit, we, we really need to do something with this space. <laughs> and it yeah. is, it's, it's, it gets all the, I'm going to sell it, it gets all the light in the morning. It's great lighting. Great location, two all car sun. spots, great private view. elevator. What's the sound like? 
um, impeccable okay. sound. Yeah. You can barely hear the trotters. You couldn't you record fine? No. Like, we didn't build any walls or anything, but it would do well if you had closed-off rooms. Yeah, um, you could have a closed-off room. But, but Ellie's right when he said, you know, it, it was a little bit scary because a lot of our clients actually turned to us. The way our business works is, you know, we do a lot of work in, at the start. There's a lot of finding the factories, establishing relationships, getting samples completed, then you move into production, um, and we charge for to, to perform that initial research and it covers the cost of us to actually perform it. Mm. Um, but where we grow as a business is when the client is, is ordering and when we're helping them reorder and, and it's continuity. Yeah. Um, but it takes, you know, it takes on average sometimes six months to get to that stage, right? So it's a really, you know, we're on this journey together. And, you know, we finally had so many projects at that point of them going to, to ordering and they'll call and be like, you know, I've just lost my job, I, I can't. Or, you know, as a business, we've got, we've got to cut some of our spending. Yeah. Um, and you can't say anything to them. It, it, you know, no, you, you can't. You just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> what do you say off? Just <laughs> spend some money. <laughs> Don't too much work. Just no. sentiment, like the whole economy. Yeah. I mean, everything went down. People are worried. People have no idea. There's uncertainty, all that kind yeah. of thing. So it's hard to... To kind of, you know, try to motivate people, which we love doing, and just sort of say, like, you know... It's going to be okay. Just spend spend that $30,000 or $50,000. Yeah. Which... That might be your lifeline money. Um, but econ, like, it, retrospectively, that would have been a great move to pull the trigger the sooner and the better. Do you know what? The clients yeah. who did do it, they're thriving. Yeah, they pay yeah. dividends. It's e-commerce. Yeah. I mean, majority of the businesses we work with are in that space, online space. Yeah, I, I remember you guys had an amazing content series which had me thinking. It was so funny watching it because you did it all in 2019 and, yeah. and then it hit like the start of 2020-ish but it was like published in July. <laughs> and it was for the end of 2019. Sort of. So you're obviously like booming and then COVID slammed. happened and then yeah. you just yeah. like, fuck. But it was, it was around the types of businesses that you were working with or things that you were sourcing in particular. Yeah, which it's it's just interesting to watch. Yeah, even if yeah. you're not uh, planning on doing that, it's just interesting. It's interesting what and you, you know what you see the trends, you see the eco-friendly products, you see the all the where, where it's headed, right? And we could see this demand for direct-to-consumer goods, and mm. we'd see the demand for people wanting biodegradable packaging and eco-friendly products, and even things like baby products and pet products. Pet products. We've just seen yeah. these 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 industries that are starting to be really really ramped up now. Yeah. Where people want to spend sixty dollars on a nice dog collar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that exists. It really <laughs> it's true. does. So okay, so you you've Starting off 2021, I think it looks like you've got, I don't know what the headcount is, but it looks like somewhere in the ballpark of 20 to 50 staff now. It's, it's just about to hit 50. 50. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you've got the new office, beautiful office um, in Richmond slash Cremorne. Yep. You've got your areas of purchasing, procurement, e-commerce, sourcing, prototyping and development, which is probably in that whole research category. I think I read that uh, team members in Indonesia, China, Singapore, the US, Philippines, India, Vietnam, Malaysia, Mexico, and Turkey. Mm -hmm. Where does the business and its founders go in 2021? How do you go from 43 million to whatever? What is your, what do you actually want mm. for this year, personally? I think with the, with the growth that we've had, you know, it's, it's put a lot of stress on everyone you know from Ellie and I to it's been great right it's still it's still good problems to have but as a business you know everything's just blown up and 
you realize that when you grow that quick, there is um, to a degree um, internally some lack of processes and systems and, and a really solid foundation. You've got to re- almost rebuild it up, right? Yeah, it's, it, bro- it would have broken in the process. Exactly oh, right. Yeah. And, and having a nice office is one thing, but making sure that every project is well looked after, that you know, our clients succeed, that's, that's a, the bread and butter. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. So we've, in that 50 people that have been put on, there's, you know, there's now a management team, um, wow, okay. a really experienced management team. There's um, an accounts department. There's, you know, experienced researchers. There's a marketing manager. There's um, an office manager. It's, it's now where we're, you know, there's a developer. It's all these people where, you know, we're almost going to catch our breath for a little bit, um, rebuild the foundation, and then really kind of expand again or grow again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you guys have commented to me personally about being frustrated with certain things, whether it's a website or a this or that. Yeah. And yeah. I can imagine now you've got the, the money and the resources to hire people to do that, and it will take time yeah. f- to see the eventual results in that. You know, yeah. a- even you, you've got a developer, but it takes time to develop a website. It takes time to develop an actual go-to-market yeah. in some yeah. way that isn't just based about inbound. And that's the, the plan is um, for us this year is we are building our own proprietary platform. Um, yeah. And that is, you know, there's two really big outcomes from it. One is for us to better internally manage projects, to have it all consolidated for, for it to allow us to jump in and know where something's up to at all times, um, for a system to be built behind it. Um, the other is, you know, there's this huge need where for someone starting out or even some established businesses, they don't even know where their, their, their suppliers are, where their products are. It might be managed in a spreadsheet. There might be some files they have on their desktop. Yeah. What we're going to create for them is pretty much just like a supply chain platform um, where they can you know, log in and submit new projects and specifications where they can see their ordering history, where they can track their samples, their freight, the logistics, even to the point where they can make international payments directly to the manufacturers all through that one platform. Mm. Um, for them, it's, it's going to hopefully add so much value to what they do. Is this, uh, are you thinking like a SaaS type platform? It would be like a picture like a Shopify Okay, cool. So, but a bit more technical in that yeah. sense, but you've got your dashboard, you've got your inventory, you've got, you know, the projects and the comments, there's communication that runs through it as well. Yeah. It's, um, it's hopefully going to bring everything together because even us as a business, there's, um, and you probably know this as well, you know, you've got Monday, you've got Trello, you've got all these yeah. project management tools. And it's like fitting a, a square in a circle hole. You're yeah, they don't a, fit perfectly. They don't play well together sometimes. Yeah. Um, Emails, phone calls, all those things. Exactly I mean, right. We'll just, we'll just log everything and make sure everything's tracked and yeah. all centralised. But, but niching yeah. down on something in and of itself is valuable. Exactly right. Um, that's really exciting. Have you guys ever th- spoken together about the idea of listing one day? You have yeah a lot. yeah 100 yeah <laughs> I think that's the yeah. that's the goal you know I think um, when that AFR article came out we had a lot of interest from um, VC funds which is good it was okay. interesting to have those kind of it was insane there was about eight within two days that reached out as soon as that AFR article got published so it was just surreal at that time yeah um, mm. you don't have to tell me but I, I I would be very intrigued if Canaccord Genuity reached out because. Um, they're amazing locally. They just actually listed Playside Studios run by oh, Jerry Sutton. Yeah, 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 yeah. we're um, following that. I, I went in on that because I'm just like, if you know 
I, this is why I'm so excited, and I ask you because if you know founders that you're excited about, yeah. you want to bet on them. Yeah. And Jerry was one of those guys, and um, yeah, they're they're going to do pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, and they're, they're, he's got so. a similar story to you guys in terms of slugging it away for a couple of years, and then yeah. you have that moment. Things start to click. Yeah, yeah. things start to click. Yeah. 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 The Cheltenham sec or something to check your grew yeah, up it's very local, similar yeah. stories hey, local Bayside boy as well he means business so I mean he's a, he definitely one to put your money down onto. Yeah. yeah but we, we have had that conversation of you know let's get everything right let's be attractive to an investor right um, because we're not going to list straight away we'd probably go and do a series A and, and really then expand you know one thing that we're not doing is we don't have an office in, in the US in the sense of a, yeah. a sales team and a presence and the, the beautiful thing about Australia is it's a great place to understand the market because as consumers, you know, we want great service, great quality products, but we want a good price. We want, you know, we're kind of high maintenance yeah. um, and the US is very similar. So once we can figure out how to best service clients, you know, build this platform where it's getting used quite, quite well, you know, take that cash injection, go and build a bigger office in the States. And the difference is when... A customer comes to us here, their budget might be, you know, fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Um, one container. Because that's what the market demands here. You know, there isn't enough mm. buyers. Well the economy is only so big, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But in the yeah. States Literally. it's ten times. Those those same yeah. customers want four or five times and for us that's more valuable. They get better value from us and we get better value from them as well. Yeah. Yeah, the obvious thing is now I think about it, is a series A to expand in those Kansic slash Western countries because they're your, your chief customer and um, that's probably where the next leg is from here. Exactly right. Which may take time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then all of a sudden it will be, it will be quite rapid. I, I think about a similar business, a private business here, uh, Ibis World, they're in the sort of data intelligence mm. space. I actually worked for them and they had that moment where they actually spent like decades here in Australia and then they realised that actually this is applicable to yeah um canada the us mm. the uk mm. and they expanded their offices and they were it was hard work very hard work but it paid off massively yeah massively I, I for them as a family yeah so um yeah they've done they've done very very well from that mm. um i've got to ask i noticed in ali's interview with james there was discussion of service and you guys have spoken yep. about it and caring for your customers i think I, I, as a founder you just naturally are that way inclined, otherwise the businesses never really grow because people don't trust you. Mm. And I find that too, I feel really guilty, not guilty, but like I'm always very wary of people's money and the things that we're doing. Yeah, mm. Sometimes underselling maybe what we're actually doing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm literally having a conversation with our client strategist this Friday around what is service to us as a business and we're going to have just a coffee at my old boss's um, Restaurant, and she was the one who really taught me about service and this Greek idea of philotimo, which is basically like being humble. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah. what what is it? What does service mean to you guys individually? Maybe we'll start with you, Ali. Yeah. Um, well, the whole, and I think we will never ever let go of, I guess, the core reasons or principles that Saucy was founded on, which is really to make a massive impact to help help businesses, to help people actually achieve what they're trying to do. So to hold a hand, to guide them, to add a lot of value. So that for us, that's, you know, we just always want to make sure that every business we're, we're working with, that we're 
we leave a big mark that we really help them get get to where they're trying to go. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. in that initial research stage, you guys try and go above and beyond. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's sort of like a loss leader that then turns into exactly something right. that makes you money. Yeah, it's very long term. I mean, the whole the whole um, modelling or the structure, the, the way that we've done things is very, very, very uh, disruptive in the sense that we've taken this age-old industry who I guess fortunately for us we knew nothing about or not much about from an educational standpoint and just took it and flipped it on its head and we're just we're literally just here giving all the tools, all the resources, providing everything um, and making and giving everybody the best opportunity to, to thrive in, the, in their respective industries to get the best products, everything. What about yeah. you, Geo? You know, like I probably said earlier, was transparency is such a big part or big part of our culture. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being being that person that pretty much treats their money and their product and their project and their idea as, as our own. You know, from that's from everything from making sure we don't share their intellectual property, you know, that, that, um, that we're finding for them to get not just the cheapest factory but the one that's most suitable for them or the best that can make them the best quality of product and... You know, always having them at front of mind in every conversation. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. I think if we were a business that bought and sold, you just you know you'd try to be working on what's the best margin or mm-hmm. how quickly can I get this done. But for us, it's let's do this right, let's do it once, let's set it up, um, and let's always make sure that the client is is represented in the right way throughout. Yeah, yeah, and it sort of sounds like um, you guys have this thing where, like, I just tell the clients everything. Yeah. Like I don't really withhold much, yeah. which can sometimes be to my detriment. Like, because sometimes I'll be too honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we get a lot of clients who just haven't even hit the basics of marketing and I often tell them that they're wasting their money mm. and I don't want to take the business from Good. them. Good. Which is uh, very hard to do in the short term because we need that money. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I actually think sometimes that probably pisses people off. Yeah. Like it rubs them the wrong way. Grateful for I don't know that these people real. are. But maybe down the track, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think once they see that, you know, that feedback might be hard to hear because you can't understand it. Yeah, maybe right. a year or two once they've gone through the, the frustrations of doing that yeah. and not getting the results they want, yeah. then maybe it's, you know, maybe they realise. But being authentic, you know, it is really important. I think, pe- mm. you know, people gravitate towards, you know, even if... If they're comparing you against someone else, but you're completely honest, sometimes brutally, but sometimes it's good, mm. sometimes it's not, you know, not good news, but you're honest. Yeah. Um, you know, they know that you're in your what you're caring about is them. Like really, you're just you're actually you're thinking about it from their perspective, not mm. your own. Yeah. So what service to you? What what how would you define that? Um, I think it's that, like because um, I'm reading this book on luxury marketing that James recommended ages ago and I bought it in the recent stack of books that I got from Amazon. Because <laughs> you um, need more books. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I've started stacking them like, in like that. This We need to expand this whole thing but I'm just like hanging out till we get yeah. to the proper studio. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's really hard because in the luxury industry, the like I've, I've tried to come up with this idea that we're sort of like a premium service in the space that we are which means that we do things that are included in the price that ordinarily wouldn't be. Like at the moment, whenever we onboard clients, we always send them like a marketing plan and yep. they have to do it. Whereas a lot of people would charge for that. 
but for us it's more like an investigation research process yeah. that is very helpful um, and it gets the whole perspective and then we can actually say actually you should really be thinking about this and you know we, we give people forward strategy and all that sort of stuff um, so I feel like going above and beyond is like a component of it um, that was the thing that I learned from Angie is like she would always um, you know if someone's having a good time she's getting mm. good vibes so oh, yeah. she'd bring them out like an extra plate of something or you yeah. know like oh hey taste this wine with this like no it's yeah. fine it's on us yeah um, it's those one percenters as it's well the, yeah the it's one true. percenters you mentioned yeah. it prior to the one percenters is like the key thing and then I, I was just the thing for Friday is, is like how do we make that more effortless for us how do we yeah how do you almost that? automate that that it's yeah, yeah how do you how do you because I can't um you know, I've tried communicating to staff like, hey, if this person you think shouldn't be doing this thing, I want you to just tell them or come to me and say it and then yeah. we can tell them. Um, so that's like communicating what they should be doing, but how do you actually ingrain it into processes? Mm. Mm. So that's um, that's what I'm thinking about at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the 1% is like a, a, a no-brainer, Yeah, I think. And it's more it comes down to the modeling or the structure of your business, but you know I think very similar to what you do, you know we are in a lot of ways an agency um, in a lot of ways. So what that means is yeah, you're not buying and selling a product where you're having a, a you know margin and it's either you win or they win, like one yeah. or the other. It's like a tug of war. Yeah. But what we do, it's the more value you can add, the more you can help going above and beyond. It actually benefits them, which in turn benefits yourself yeah you grow together yeah so you could you know yeah i think in one of your yeah. testimonials with the guy with the strawberry punnet things the plastic uh, yeah. thing mm. and he was like oh i realized these guys were um uh you know like they weren't in it for a quick buck mm. so maybe it's yeah. it's that is like being authentic shows that yeah um i'm gonna ask before we get into rapid fire questions what uh what's an inter- what's a question you guys always get in these interviews that you wish you didn't or is a pain in the ass? Like you, you <laughs> must get like, like the, the regular one I'd assume based on reading interviews was like, what's the up and coming thing? Or like, what's yeah, yeah. trending this? Or what's the I trending think that? One thing that I think, it's, it's not that I don't think it's a pain in the ass. I think it's just a touchy subject is China because a lot of people expect us to either, you know, be at the mercy under the thumb of China or to, to, to say negative things, right? For us, we're very neutral. Um, and I think I don't mind speaking my mind and saying that I love China as in the sense of the people and the culture and my experiences with it. Mm. Um, but I can just, I, I know it's a bit of a touchy subject. I know <laughs> that some people will sit there and go, well, he's, he's just being bought, hasn't he? Yeah, it's yeah. Just, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we don't. I don't see these these issues as much as maybe what you see on the news, and and we're so in it, right? Like we're we're dealing with manufacturers and trade every day, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're having a hard time getting your goods out of China." I'm like, no, why would I? Like, it's no. everything's still normal. So, I think people want to hear that there's more of a a, a problem a problem than what there is, mm. and and I I don't want to sell it like that if there's yeah, not as it's well. A, but that's also you know that's a talking point for people when they have their first exactly meetings right. with you, yeah. and they're sort of you know not awkward, but it's just something to talk about other than exactly how's right. yeah. the weather. Exactly right. Um, what what do you wish that uh, you could talk about more in these interviews then? What's a topic that you guys Ooh. personally would like to talk about? I would love to talk case studies, which 
We're sworn to secrecy by a lot of our clients, but I would just love to tell some of the some stories, of the, stories yeah. and the impact, some the, of the cool bra- stuff we've done, the cool brands we work with. Like, could you change names and industries? Yeah, I can give you. I can make up a Bob and a Fred, and you know, yeah. Bob's product rhymes and, with you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's one thing that like the storytelling that we could, yeah that we could have. We're getting better at, at at kind of you know we've just got an our media release. Ali's been great. He's he's put together media release form and Evan, our marketing manager. And I think once we show you know our website gets twenty thousand hits a month, visitors a month. Um, and our social media, you know, there's so many thousands of followers and, and even the ads that we run that if we can show clients that by saying that you work with us, what you're saying is you invest in making sure the products that are made are compliant, you know, that they're good quality, that you've had someone help you with it. It's actually beneficial, but I think some clients like to um, move away from that stigma of, okay, well, you helped them, the product came from China. Even though when you open the box, or if you're a consumer, you buy it, it's always going to have that label at the bottom. Um, so I think, yeah, once we get better at positioning ourselves that there's yeah. a lot of value in us talking about your case studies, which some clients actually see, yeah. um, it's always the biggest companies that, that want to be the most tight-lipped as well. Yeah, that is, a, that is an issue. How do you work around that? Yeah. That's the interesting question. We love it. We ride the highs. Like, we want to, we want to tell the success stories, you yeah. know, we get really... And we ride the lows as well, like, very much... Um, but yeah, we just want to get be able to get around the, sto- more. the stories. Like you said, is the good stuff. Like yeah. um, the war stories around. Uh, um, maybe it's like a horror visit to a manufacturer or it's stuff that you wouldn't believe as well. You but the, the, you guys must have a lot of leading insights into the state of the economy just by seeing what people are asking. That in and of yeah. itself must be interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's true. All right, rapid fire questions. Uh, best purchase under two hundred dollars for you guys personally. Who wants to go first? You go first. Yeah. I don't even know. I might have to think about this. <laughs> I bought. Um, this is this is such an old man thing to say as well. New bedding. <laughs> okay. Like <laughs> linen. Good, good, or? No, just a good pillow. Good, good, good doona. And I've realised that how important sleep is. Oh, yeah. And before I used to be, you know, like a boy, you know, you have the same pillow you've had for like three years. You'd take it with you, you know, every house you move to. And lucky enough, Danny, my partner, was like, we're going to pillow talk. <laughs> You're going to buy a new pillow. And it has actually changed my sleep. And, and Have you done the whole um, koala mattress thing? I've got a koala mattress. You what? Oh, you I've do? got one. Go on. Yeah, I've got one. Yeah, I think well, I need to get a new mattress because I've still got a mattress. It's an amazing fucking mattress, but it was like a hand-me-down king size from my parents uh, when I was like 22, 23, yep. like seven years old. <laughs> so I should probably it's replace the mattress. Yeah. <laughs> the base is all right, but maybe just, uh, you know, get a new mattress. Um, Ellie, what about you? Can't think of anything. Nothing. Super Surely there's a car-related product. I'm so thrifty. Gym. Dog. So thrifty. He's dogs. actually very good. None of those me. things are under 200 bucks. I wish they <laughs> yeah. were. Come on. Surely the dog's got like a $50 Kong or something. But, um, <laughs> James would attest to this. The uh, Washing your car for less than 10 bucks, doing it yourself at a car wash, yeah. bringing your own sponge and cloths and everything, and it's better than anyone else can do. Yeah. So where do you get your car wash now? <laughs> I might not have enough time to do it myself that, that often. But it, Who's got a team of people? Washing your own car. Do you, do you go to the place bucks. on um, 
punt road yeah, or like crystal the, car wash. Yeah, crystal yeah, car wash. Yeah, it sucks me in now because it's it is. It How is much is it for a wash there? Eighty bucks. It's you get unlimited washes for what is it? Eighty dollars a month. Yeah, there's a few packages here. Yeah, Sixty bucks a month, I think, and then Fuck you can man. go up from Maybe there. I should look at that. You go there, you read the paper, you, you know, you sit out there. I love cars, so I. Like, I'd be what, and I just got a black car, so I think that's kind of ruined it a bit. Which I have to watch yeah. that like twice a week. Well, we we just got a new car, and I, like I budget a certain amount, like twenty five bucks a month for washing. Like assuming I'll wash it once or twice a month, and then take it somewhere. Yeah, like I never. Now I'm thinking, do I want to? Because my time's worth more, more than per hour. I could just be selling or whatever. Maybe I should just go to one of those places, sit there and make a few calls. Yeah, that, that is more productive than you it getting is. on your hands and knees. But, but and there is something you're right about, like, washing your own... Maybe I should do it, like, yeah. once every two months. Just to <laughs> humble you again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, nice. it's, it's... I don't know, there's a bit of nostalgia to it. My old man, like, would still, to this day, like... The guy could easily afford to have someone wash his car for him, but yeah, he just... He, he would do things... Like, classic immigrant mentality, he would do that... The, the backyard, he had to put tan bark around all the all the plants. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm looking to hire someone. He goes out and buys And he did it himself. Yeah. Wow, and like, yeah. he'd be, he did it for eight <laughs> hours straight and he's got all these prickly plants. So his arm is like covered in sores from the plants because oh, he's no. like putting in tan bark in between them and shit. And I'm just like, you could have spent 250 bucks and you could have had someone in. Someone come yeah, out, do it all for you. Do it for you. And he's like, no, but I just want to do my. I need a bit more of that. I need that ha- hardcore immigrant work it's mentality nice. of like. But it's it's rubbed it, like so I don't like doing shit like that now because of it. Um, it's, it's nice doing things yourself. Yeah. yeah. My my dad's the same. Grows his own tomatoes. Makes his own alcohol. Like makes his yeah, everything is homegrown and that kind of. And like the car washing, it's nice just creating with your hands or doing with your hands here and there as like a. It's a way to pass the time as well. well and yeah, it's that's why I like bon- well. the bonsai stuff is because you can't yeah. be on your phone. Yeah, it's a good yep. point. Um, and yep. you just—it's just you in your head. Mm. Yeah. So you sort of work out a lot of shit, yep. oftentimes. Yeah, you need that time when you're you're busy, mm. but yeah, you still can you have a clear mind because you're busy with your hands only. Yeah. Right. What what yeah. alcohol does your old man make? Is, it is there a name? Is there, is there say, a, name is a name for, for like? Is a moonshine? Very, very or strong. Like moonshine, you know, something yeah. that comes out that you have to literally dilute in but order to he, be able to drink it. Does he use like it. a grain or a, a root vegetable? Or? So we used to make our own wine there, okay. and uh, you'd step on the grapes with your feet to make this. That's fun. And then use all the pulp and all the stuff that you can't use for the wine. You use that and you put it into the, um, the garden distillery machine mm. thing. Ah, okay. And come out. Clear, like 80, 90% alcohol. You light it to see if it's burnt, like it burns blue, you can barely see it, and then you dilute it down. Put a few herbs and things in there. But okay, so you don't want to try. I'm not. I'm not even trying to sell it. You don't yeah, try. Yeah. I don't drink. Don't. <laughs> he's he's distilling. Um, he's making he's making eau de vie. He's making distilled grapes. Mm. You know what? If that's the name for it, it sounds you nice. Don't as try. Well. It sounds <laughs> fancy, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the shit that they use to start making like cognac and stuff like that. So what the first distillation is eau de vie, and then they'll you know. Turn, like you can have eau de vie, you can actually buy French eau de vie, like little spirits, which are really nice. Um, but you generally use that to make like a cognac or whatever. Um, all right, last question for you guys: billboard anywhere in Australia? Like, actually, let's pl- place it in Victoria somewhere. Mm. Where would it be, first of all, and what would you put on it? Oh, if I had a billboard somewhere. 
Um, think about placement first. That's an easy one. I think, you know, when you're about to drive under Crown and there's that, yeah, yeah. their line-up one, I think that's some prime real estate just there. That's cool, And I love yeah. the casino, so it's two okay. and two. Yeah. yeah. Just near the cast. What about you, Ali? Just trying to think, what's a good intersection with high traffic volume? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, there's a few ones that people pull on, obviously Pun Road. Um, like Richard Swan yeah. Street Bridge. Oh, um, yeah. That is airport. a great one. St Kilda Junction. You know where you've got the oh, highway, yeah, you've got to go right into Punt, but then you've got Fitzroy Street left, you've yeah. got Queensbury left. There's a big billboard there. There's a few there, I think, I feel like. And there were actually, you'll notice, that's a hot spot. Or that they've got like one there, one there, one there, and some brands take all three of them they out. They link them up, And they're yeah. different sizes, and they're like the same message. Yeah, for placement, they'll just so, smother it. I'd put something, obviously, like, Motivational, whatnot, but it, it, I'd literally just—I just love making good people vibe. feel I was good. Say, that's all <laughs> I just love making people feel good. I just have have the billboard that just says "Have the best day ever." That's it, and then like, and then make it count. Like, have a great day. Like, put a smile on the face, and then and make it count, and then do something. You know, to Mine would say, don't getting... trust the guy <laughs> saying, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not asking for anything in return, just have a great day. Like, yeah, I can imagine your yeah. billboard having like an espresso martini on one side and just like the caption, have a good day. Or good have vibes. A good day. Yeah, yeah, the word like vibes with underneath, yeah. You know what it is about like just random acts of kindness? I don't know if you, if, if it's oh, a thing, but... It's fact. Just... It just, feels nice. If, you can, if you're talking to anyone, you can just make them feel that little bit better. Yeah, like, it's true. Or, yeah. or, you know, just put a smile on their face. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what I do. <laughs> it's good vibe. Yeah, again, the vibes thing is... Paramount. I understand the, the controversy around the word because it's, like, just so it can annoying. You can get flogged to death, whatnot, though, as well. But I only mean it in the best way. I yeah. just mean good, I get, good I energy. I testament to that, yeah. <laughs> I, I think people get that. People will get you get that for sure. Yep. Um, gents, thanks for coming in. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Definitely. So online, on the line. Yeah, on the it's line. Saucy.com.au. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure all our social media handles are saucy.co. Okay. Um, on the website, there's just tons of resources. Even if you're someone who's not ready to start, or you just want to learn more, you know, we've got great blogs, you know, free reports mm. that help people as well, and you know, our team's always happy to have a chat and, and, and see how we can help. What about um, for you guys personally? Which which platform are you most prominent on? Probably say Instagram now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Instagram. It's changed, yeah. LinkedIn's obviously the typical one, but yeah, shoot us a message on, on Instagram. You'll hear back within, you know, however long, yeah. a day or whatever, but LinkedIn, is, it's, I don't open that every day. What are, your, what are your handles? Uh, mine's just Ellie Weisman. Yeah. One word. Jeez. I think mine's geo.pino. <laughs> Is it? P-I-O? I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. We'll link, I'm in we'll, all his photos anyway. You get to him, you get to me. Yeah, yeah. If you get to him, you get to, get to you. We'll link it all. But, um, gents, thanks for coming in. Thanks Jordan. for having us. Thank you so much for having us. No worries, mate. Okay. It's been a pleasure. It's been really fun. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you do like it, please subscribe. And, of course, like if you're watching the YouTube video as well. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. You can also find our clips channel in the description. For audio, if you're not already listening, you can search Uncommon on Pocket Cast, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts quite easily. For video, if you're not watching, you can search Uncommon on YouTube. 
And for behind the scenes takes and clips uh, on social media, then definitely check out at uncommon underscore show on Instagram. But otherwise, look, thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, thanks for listening.